Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 106. Is it really 106, Willie? Of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I'm your host, Christian Piles. Joined, as always, by my mainest man, Willie Sailor. Willie's staying on the East Coast. Back home till Flow Nationals. What's up? How, how are things back home, Willie? Good, good. It's uh, What a schedule, huh? So. Oh, my gosh. NCAA, well, conferences, then NCAAs, and right to Flow Nationals, Pittsburgh Wrestling Classic. NHSCAs next week, then Olympic Trials next week. Take a nap, NHSCA, uh, Olympic Trials, yeah, it's intense. This is a, this is a brutal couple-week stretch, but no complaints here. This is this is a great time of year. This is We're full of, um, yeah, got a lot of good wrestling action going on. And um, where, where do we want to start, Willie? I mean, it was... The NCAs was amazing. Um, I may or may not have won a a certain fantasy league. Where are you supposed to do a intro? Well, as a matter of fact, I am. So for those that don't know, what about Richard? Okay, you tied, right? Yeah, we. So it's pretty hilarious. We're in a league, bunch of wrestling media people, and Ben Askren and Chael Sonnen uh, were in it as well. And someone came up with the idea that oh, the winner. Should get to record a 30-second intro for Flow Radio Live. We said, that's fine. That works. And um, lo and behold, I won. Well, I tied with, with Emil for first place, which is yeah, so which is literally worst-case scenario for everyone because everyone – I, I kind of made myself the villain. Everyone hates me. Everyone wants me to lose. So this is just great. This is, it's, it's wonderful. I've already recorded my intro. Emil hasn't done his yet. Um he will want to after this, though. He will want to after this. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna call him out. He's gonna get probably a little fired up and uh, yeah. So we got 30 seconds. Should we just play it now? You you recorded it? I recorded it. Oh my god. I, I we that was the deal. We record it 30 seconds, and um, I just wanted to be fair. So yeah, you record it because you're not on the show. You're on the show. <laughs> just say it. 
Well, All right, go ahead. Doesn't Run matter. Up. Doesn't matter. All right, so here's my my victory. Thirty seconds. Oh wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's a little, it's a little quiet. We gotta play it. There we go. All right, ready, go. Hey Brock, you should write a behind the numbers on how to assemble horrible fantasy teams. Boom, roasted. Hey Chael, too bad there aren't PEDs for fantasy sports. Boom, roasted. Hey Askren, the only thing more boring than your fights are your fantasy teams. Boom, roasted. Hey Earl, congrats on being the third highest scoring Virginia in this fantasy league. Boom, roasted. Hey Emil, remember that time you thought you scored more points than me because you stink at adding? Boom, roasted. Hey Willie and Nick, next time you should utilize a four or five man drafting committee. Boom, roasted. Hey Kyle, I couldn't decide between a West Virginia joke or a dumb joke. Boom, roasted. Hey JB, fancy's not your thing. But at least you've always got time for short time. Boom, roasted. Hey Holmes, how's this dirt taste? Boom, roasted. There it is. Willie, you had already heard it before. So I get to yeah. talk a little trash. That's inspired by uh, Michael Scott in the office. And um, yeah, we'll see We'll see if Immel has a response after that. What, uh, was your, what was your keys to victory? My keys to victory? Um, wrestling knowledge, I think. Wrestling knowledge. No, I mean, within your lineup, you dork. Um, I don't even remember. I don't remember. Uh, Nico was obviously big. Um, thought he would win. He won. He was a, he was a key cog for me. But enough about fantasy until uh, Emil steps up and records his his victory intro. Let's get to the wrestling, shall All we? Right. But holistically, big picture, how was your NCAA experience? How did you like it at, at MSG um, and the tournament as a whole? Your your response. Um, I thought I thought it was great at MSG. I thought the location was great. Uh, I've never been to NCAAs where things were so convenient. There was a couple tournaments, I guess, that could have been if I had planned it. But anyway, so the the um, hotel, our hotel, was right across the street. You wanted something to eat. Everything's right there. Um, in and out. There's, you know, when you do these things, when you do wrestling events every weekend. Um, and you have to be at the venue. You basically have to be the first one in, the last one out. Uh, convenience is key um, because there's so much, there's so much time traveling and, and trying to find something to eat and, and this and that. Uh, you know, you, you lose a you lose a piece of equipment. You have to go buy one. It's right there. So uh, from that aspect, it was good. The venue itself was a little problematic, and you would think, you know. Most people would say, well, the venue itself was a, the strong part, and maybe it was for them. But from a, from a media side, it was, it was a little tighter. The configuration's a little tighter, so there's less press row seating. And um, the best views in the house were from up top. And like on press row, you couldn't really see. Uh, a lot of people's views were blocked. Um, but anyways, it, overall, great tournament. Um, I, I thought the NCAA finals were one of the best ones in years. Yeah, they were great. I, entertaining from start to finish. Even, you know, you figured uh, Gilman, Megalutis, okay, let's just start it in tiebreaker two, right? But yeah, Nico comes out, amazing counter for the first one, um, and then he converts a, a nice kind of a duck under. The, I mean, a shot, Willie and I said this on radio, which we did for all sessions, we we never seen that kind of an attack from from Nico. Normally he's you know low single head inside, but he just kind of popped under that elbow on a high crotch. Yeah, it's one of those moments. Um, 
that you think you, you've watched a guy, you've watched a guy 120 matches maybe. Seriously. 100, 150 matches of his career, and you think you, you know what he does and what he doesn't do and what his go-tos are. And then he, <laughs> he does something he's you've never seen, you didn't know he had in his bag of trick, like left side level change duck under type thing for Nico. I mean – Where'd that come he from? He timed he timed the reach of of Gilman so so perfectly. So it was cool to see that, that was a good start. Um, kind of got things rolling. Then we we got to thirty three, and this is a match Willie and I've been discussing a lot because of not so much the wrestling, but the, the officiating. And it, it was something that we've been talking about since June. These the the edge rule stall calls and just the stall calls in general in this one. Um, I thought were pretty appalling, and I I think it, it's a dangerous tone that the officials set in in this match, where you basically say, "Don't worry about risk. Don't, we're rewarding not leg attacks. We're rewarding you moving a guy to a certain place in the mat." Well, the, the Nation gets called for stalling with five seconds left in the first period, and it. It has to be one of the worst situational calls I've ever seen. I mean, ever seen. Uh, Nation does all this work. He tries to get to a shot. He tries to finish a shot. Uh, Clark kind of limp legs out and gets out of danger. They're right on the edge. Clark takes one step forward. Nation goes out of bounds, stalling Nation. I mean, it, one step. One, one step. step. I mean, the only reason they were at the edge is because Nashon took a leg attack, ended up on a leg, threatened a nearside cradle, was trying to finish right on the edge, and because Clark freed himself and squared up with him, and at that point Nashon's back was to the out of bounds, he's stalling. So what? And this was the whole point of what we said: the officials don't have discretion; they don't know what they're looking at; they don't know what they're seeing. Well, because, you know, you know the the rhetoric from. The not, and not only the rhetoric, um, but both both in what they say and how they have written the rules and this the video that they put out uh, for stalling for the, the language of the NCAA officials has been we want to take the discretion out of we want to take the judgment out of the referees' hands. Um, you can write a book on this story. You can write a book on the story. The referees used to call stalling. Then the coaches used to complain so much that they didn't call stalling enough or they called it in the wrong situation that the refs felt basically felt badgered. Mm -hmm. So then they didn't call stalling ever. Mm -hmm. So then they wrote these new rules in to take, to take the judgment out of the officials' hands and say, well, it's black and white. If they do this, they do that. That's not what we've seen. We've seen it's a judgment call either time because it's either one guy is pushing – or the other guy is backing up, or it's action, or you have to make a judgment call every time. And a lot of times they are completely wrong. And so <laughs> the, the crux of it for me, what, what bothers me, is that you can't watch that match where one guy is taking literally all the offensive attacks, where one guy is actually changing levels and attacking the legs, and the other guy is just getting on a collar tie and running his feet like an Iranian trying to get a guy to the edge of the mat. It's not stalling, okay? And Nashon, we, we agree that there were points where he should have been called for stalling, and maybe a stall point 
was warranted at some point in the match. But we yeah. we we just we just had a seven six NCAA final where one guy scored three takedowns. Three takedowns. And another guy scored zero takedowns, zero reversals, zero near fall, and, and had zero six shots. Took zero shots and had six points. I mean, can you I, I talk about one point? He was one point away, one other stall call away, one takedown away from winning that match. This is a skill competition, okay? Right, so it's so that first stall call was not innocuous, was not, you know, pointless. That came back to play a part in the end of the match when, yeah, maybe Nachon should have been hit for stalling. He probably should have, yeah. Um but how do but you not hit? First, but that first one paid dividends. That that first one was a problem. Yeah, and and people are saying, well, it's it's creating action. It made Nation shoot more. All it did was reinforce Corey Clark to never shoot, to never yep. take a shot, to not play. And let's not pretend that Corey Clark not shooting is not strategy. I mean, Nation Garrett probably has the best reattacks in the country in collegiate wrestling. And when you level change and let your head low, you saw what happened in the in the first period. He's bamming your head left, right, and he's on an angle on a shot. So it reinforces don't shoot. If they want it, right? If, if, you, if the referees are that clueless as to when they should and should not call stalling and what is and what is not stalling, um, <laughs> they, they might as well just go to push-outs. Yeah. I mean, at least, at least, at least it's black and white. At least we, at least everybody in the building knows. At least the wrestlers know. At least the fans know. At least the coaches know. Because right now it's stupid. Look at go look at the, the twelve seconds left in the Heil Meredith match. If that isn't just ridiculous. Now, now it didn't have anything to do with the match. It didn't play a part in the winning uh, the winner of the match. But Meredith is going at a breakneck pace losing he's trailing he takes shot after shot tries to turn a corner tries to tries to have some motion and then they circle out and Heil takes one step and I mean Meredith basically shoots himself out and stalling Meredith yeah I mean just it, think about what you called there this is at the NCAA finals when we have the most eyes on our sport they have to be thinking how what wait Corey Clark is down by one all he's done has been taken down I mean, all he can do is escape. That's all he's done this entire match. And it's a one point. I don't understand this. Um, Bryce Meredith is taking action out of bounds, um, taking shots, taking risk. And because Dean Heil takes one step, he's stalling. Now, again, Dean Heil deserved to win that match. It didn't matter. And I don't think Dean should have been called for stalling in that instance. But it just shows the officials don't have discretion. And I what won't stop harping now, on it till they change this rule. What we have now, and, and some people, you know, um, since when the push-out rule in freestyle was first started and then some people said we need it in folk style the, the, the argument was um, don't bring that freestyle stuff in here um, we don't need it and then as the push-out rules in freestyle proved to be pretty darn cool pretty darn effective then more people started saying maybe we need it in folk uh, here's the thing Folk style, I like folk style for folk style. I like freestyle for freestyle. Folk style doesn't need a push-out rule, but if the officials are that ineffective, right now they are writing rules. Right now the rules in folk style wrestling are written such because the referees can't handle it. 
Yeah. Get get some competent referees or get referees with some stones. No, you can't. You can't. No, you just can't write rules like this. It's the rule. You can't write. Yeah, but it's all like... it's the, the rules. The way the rules are written, the rules are written because the referees can't do it. They can't make the right decision. Right. And but they it's... They're, they're writing rules. They are writing rules not for wrestling, not because of changes in the way 2016 American wrestling um, is staged. They're writing rules because of the deficiencies of the 2016 NCAA officials. Yeah. Yeah, so I, and and uh, here's another one. Just put in a three point takedown, man. It oh is, my gosh, it's time. Three point takedown, the, three point reversal. It has to happen. For the second straight year, we have seen a match like Nashawn Garrett and Corey Clark seven six. Last year we saw Gwizdowski and Kuhn one pointer late um, when one guy had completely dominated. Yeah, and it's gonna be. A sad day when one one of these times in the NCAA finals, someone's actually gonna sneak a takedown late, have been taken down, um, got earned one takedown, been taken down three times. Imagine if Corey Clark would have got a takedown late. He would have won the NCAA championship. It would have been atrocious after being dominated, completely dominated, no offense at all. And this is no shade on Corey Clark. He did better than many thought. Um, he would have. I mean, I he stood wrestled in, wrestled Nation the best better than any wrestled. he wrestled Nation better than anyone did all year long. And you know what the the lesson is? The lesson is against an elite guy, you shouldn't shoot. You shouldn't take risk because guess what? If you can just shove him out, if you can move him around, you're gonna get rewarded. Is that what we want? Is that how we want our best wrestlers to be officiated against? We should be officiating towards helping our best for, to rewarding the risk takers, rewarding the leg attackers. But instead we're going the complete opposite direction and rewarding the guys who are d- doing the, the least skill oriented tasks. And that's just shoving guys around. Can't have it anymore. It can't happen. That's not how you um, should win wrestling matches. So that's maybe our last um, rules rant for this NCAA season. Probably not, but you never know. It might be. Um, so on to the biggest surprises, of which there were certainly some. It was a the first two days of NCAAs, or first day, I guess we should say. We saw a lot of of um, surprising matches, surprising losses, and uh, Willie, your biggest surprises of of uh, NCAAs. Well, Bryce Merritt was his biggest surprise. Absolutely. I mean, hands down, without a doubt, um, and we. I, you know, he's always been a kid. Well, you tell me. You tell us. How good, how not good was Bryce Meredith during the season? Bryce Meredith was, was good during the season. He never quite um, put himself in that elite top eight conversation. You know, he never notched a, a super, super elite win like um, many of the other guys had. Um, you know, he's a guy the last week, you know, he lost to Seth Gross. You know, he at Big 12s. So for those, I mean, no no one can see this coming because there was no real momentum coming into NCAAs like, oh, he's coming in hot. You know, he announced himself when he beat Abaddon um, early in November, early in November. But other than that, you know, he lost to Thorn. Um, you know, he had beaten Gross, but Gross really wasn't ranked all year. He lost to him um, at Big 12. So he really didn't have a win 
that would suggest this was possible. And then not only it's not like the bracket fell apart. He destroyed the bracket himself. He destroyed, right? He destroyed the bracket. Like we'll talk about 174 in a second, but um Meredith Meredith oftentimes you see a sort of Cinderella story. Guy gets hot. The rest of the bracket falls apart at NCAAs, and he, he makes the semifinals or the finals. That Bryce Meredith was a he was the path of destruction. Yeah, he. I mean, he goes through Kevin Jack, which is a story in itself. In that Meredith was at NC State last year, transfers basically because he's way too big, obviously for thirty three. You guys saw him; he's big, and also the, Kevin Jack was that guy, right? You know. Not going to beat out a returning All-American. Well, he transfers, and sure enough, he beats him. And then he beats Micah Jordan. And then he beats Joey McKenna. Like, literally, if you could have constructed the bracket as difficult as possible for him after his round one match, that's what it was. It was as tough as it, as it could possibly be. And he made his way to the finals. And Dean Heil kind of destroyed everyone in a way that Dean Heil does. And like not like not He's not like Zane Rutherford, but... If Dean Heil beats you by five points, he kind of destroyed you. Cause... Yeah, and another thing, too, is Meredith just didn't – you know, you're looking for ways. How the heck did my, how the heck did Bryce Meredith pull this off? It wasn't that the bracket fell apart. It wasn't that he won matches um, circumstantially. Like, okay, so Kalika, Kalika won a couple matches in a row – on some really weird circumstances, uh, questionable calls, oh yeah, and stuff like that. That that's not what happened with Bryce Meredith. He didn't get a fortuitous run either. It wasn't. I mean, he made it happen against McKenna. He made it happen against Kevin Jack. You know. Yeah. So he was he was a huge surprise. I mean, this is a guy. His best win. <laughs> bless you. His Thank best you. win coming in was was Zach Haran and Anthony Abaddon, two guys probably outside the top fifteen, and he beat Tommy Thorne. Um, so those are good wins, you know, and he didn't have really very many bad losses apart from gross, but th- there's no way you could say you saw this coming. No, but I'm talking about, I'm talking about in the deed, like the, the, the scrappiness and the savviness and the riding ability and the scrambling ability that was legit. That's not going away. No, no. He'll be a contender next year. Now, uh, another surprise in Really, I wasn't surprised with this guy until the NCAA Finals. And even then, not as much. Miles Martin. You know, we sat here, as soon as the brackets came out, Willie, you and I both, we we said, hey, this is a guy could go on a run. Yeah, brackets came out, 11 seed. We were like, oh, look at this. Miles Martin can do some things here. Absolutely. And... And I, we, we probably weren't alone there because we watched Miles Martin all year and everyone else did. And you could see he was really, really good. And you thought, hey, this is a guy that could go, go on a run. And, sh- and go on a run he did. Now, this is a bracket that fell apart. Leland Weatherspoon. It is a bracket that fell apart. Leland destroyed this bracket. Matt Reed destroyed this bracket. And Miles Martin was, was the beneficiary of that, you could say. But at mm-hmm. the same time, as good as he looked this week – Put him up against Blaze Butler. I think he beats him. Put him up against Brian Rilbuto. I think he beats him. It's not like Matt Reed was a good matchup for Blaze and then he was a good matchup for Matt Reed. No, he. I think he beats all those guys. I think that's what we saw. So uh, I'm not. I'm not saying this to like sound like a know-it-all, but nothing that Miles Martin did was surprising. Even even how even he beat Bo because 
we saw t- on two occasions he rest he was right there with Bo. He get, apart from Nathan Jackson, no one else pushed Bo in the season like like Miles Martin had. And okay, so the first the first time they met or the first time they met was like a two one three two match, and the second time they met in the duel, um, it was like. I think Miles had the lead going in the third or he something. He had the lead at some point in the third. It, it ended up being a major because of like some, you know, flurries and stuff. But uh, Miles was right there. Now the third time, Bo put it on him. Put him on takedown, crossface cradle pin. But um, you also had to understand the style matchup in that Bo goes for big stuff and Martin's athletic and and can stop that and can counter you uh you know you saw in the nathan jackson match that Bo can be put on his back and be put in a hole and and so the way the match played out I, it wasn't surprising to me it, it wasn't and i i, I, wanna... I mean if you if, if if you ask me before the match i'm taking i'm taking Bo all day for sure but if miles win am i like shocked and all no yeah. So what uh, a common theme like after the match is Bo beat himself. Bo threw himself on his back. I I didn't understand this kind of I I don't disparaging comments toward towards Miles, I guess, like it was handed to him cuz if you, I didn't even hear that. I didn't really hear it, that. it was on these Twitter streets, Willie. Um <laughs> you know, Bo threw himself on his back, but if you watch the match, it's not what happened really. I mean, Miles comes out, takes a double leg, goes body lock. He's in deep, and then Bo, you could kind of maybe desperation double overs and Miles counters, okay? Well, the the big exchange was kind of predicated on Miles' action, you know, if you recall. And Bo went for an underhook knee pick. They were in this crazy upper body situation where Miles was almost coming around with this body lock, and then Bo goes underhook to like a knee blast. Well, it was Bo's throw. If you watch, but there was like five different flurries that led up to it. Like, sure. And sure. If, it was it was Bo's throw though. And what happened was, and I only watched this live. I didn't. I didn't. Maybe I have to go back to it. You but should. What I, I think recall, you should. I, I saw it clearly that when when Bo, Bo tried to do it, and Miles had it. Miles had one of Bo's arms locked, almost like a over trap arm. Mm-hmm. And Bo, Bo couldn't post. Right. So stuck on his back. So, I mean, but that, that would be a, that was kind of his, his mistake in all that. Sure. I mean, I felt like, I don't know, I felt. Well, one of the things, too, is that, one of the, one of the things, too, that we love about Bo is that he goes for it. That's Absolutely. Why watching him. And so you almost feel you almost feel bad for Bo in the sense that here's a guy that lets it all hang out all the time, and this time it bit him um, but, after you know he's beaten three guys in a row. That that's why, and we'll get to it later. But that's why people love David Terrell. <laughs> right. So the way the exchange worked in the second, and this was the match. Uh, Miles Martin comes out. He shoots a double leg, goes body lock again. Okay, and he's out to the side as Bo goes like for this this underhook thing, and he's got a body lock. To the side. They're almost hip to hip in this body lock. Okay, so it's Miles' position. Bo goes for it, and then he gets basically lateral dropped on the edge. I, I felt like when you rewatch that match, it was a lot of it was initiated from Martin. Um, but, anyways, 
that was the that was that final 174. That was, that one lived up to the billing. Another one that lived up 157. Willie Nolf, Imar Part Three. You there? Uh, you with me? Yeah. Hello. Yeah, Nolf Imar. I mean, what what did you? I think we got what we expected, right? Like, I would just, I would just love to watch them wrestle in the room. I would just love them. Like if they would have had Nolf Imar wrestle before 125 and then wrestle at 157 and then wrestle after wrestle after Kyle Snyder and Gwiz, I could do that. I could watch those guys wrestle all day. Yeah, and um, it it was a great performance from from both. And once again, almost like their Big Ten final, you come away with a lot of respect for both guys. Nolf, you know, one of the only guys who could stand in there and and go with Imar, but man. Again, heart of a champion from Imar, getting that late takedown and whatever was ailing Imar um, in, during the year or during his Nolf, his first meeting against Nolf. I don't know if it's a thing of the past or not, but man, he looked darn good uh, against Nolf. And it begs the question, you know, the speculation was how would he look if he entered the Olympic trials? How could he do down at 65? I'm not sure, but I'm, I'm anxious to see if he decides to go, and I think he could do well. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a conversation in and of itself. I mean, there's so many there's so many different factors, but man, it's really intriguing. I mean, how will he do with the weight? How will he do with this short turnaround time from NCAA's? How will he do with this um, style transition from folk to free? But uh, I'd love to see it. Um, how about, but I think I think you also have to talk about Miller. Miller Imar. That match was amazing. It was it was incredible. And you know, we all yeah, knew Miller on his back and Imar had his like knees up and prevented the take I mean, that flurry was crazy. It was nuts because, you know, you could take a picture of that moment and you could say, Well, look, he's on his back. He threw Imar on his back. But really, it was they kind of just rolled through it. And that was the Second time, actually, that Miller kind of threw him on his back. But Imar is just so freaky, core strength, strong. Like, he can be on his back and just pop through and and not get taken down. And I, I think the calls were correct, you know. Kent's... Oh, yeah, the calls, the calls were correct. But what I'm saying is that he was a hair from losing. Right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he got taken down late in the third with that inside trip, maybe 40-some seconds to go. Um, and I think Miller could either, could ride out for the win, maybe. I, I can't recall. But, he you know, he was in jeopardy of losing that one. He was in jeopardy of losing the Nolf one, and he had to dig deep. After last year where he really – he was a front runner the whole time, you know. He was never in position to lose. Even against Green, Green was always having to, needing the score. He would get ridden yeah. or something like that. But you know what? The frustrating part, I mean – for Nolf fans, for PSU fans, is I don't know. Like you, you wrestle a match, and even I guess, I guess, I guess even Taylor and Dake, you could at least pinpoint some things. Like, yeah, well, next time David needs to do this. Well, next time David needs to do that. Well, he could have done this better. I don't know if you watch Nolf Imar and every second of every. Um, match that they wrestled this year, I I don't know if you watch that uh, watch or watch the finals and say, well, Nolf 
he, he could do this better next time. I, I just don't know that you could say that. Right. No, I agree with that. I mean, it's when Imar gets to his positions, when he can get to those hooks, it's almost like Daringer when he gets that underhook and that like elbow control. That it, well, that's what I said after Big Tens, right? Like, Nolf uh, was in those Imar got to those positions. He didn't capitalize like he did in the finals, but. Nolf allowed himself to be in in those positions where he's uncomfortable and Nolf and Imar is super comfortable. Right. Super dangerous. So that was another outstanding match. And, of course, the the heavyweight finale is the one that everyone talked about. And you wonder, can it possibly live up to the hype? And it was the best heavyweight match I've ever I've ever watched. In, uh, you know, it, I think it's a landslide Runaway. Now maybe maybe there's ones that I'm overlooking and people will tweet and people will comment underneath that say, oh well, how about this heavyweight? Uh, uh, yeah, maybe there maybe I'm forgetting a couple or unaware of a couple, but uh, I think it's easily one of the best heavyweight matches of all time. And I I think regardless of weight, I think it was one of the best. Yeah. Oh yeah. One of the best finals I've ever seen in my life. The guy rallies in the third period. He's down two takedowns to z- zero. I think right. Uh, I believe so, yeah. And um, and the guy rallies and, and he wins. And uh, there was so much drama and so much situational wrestling. And you had to know, right? You had to know when Kyle got in on that first shot and Wiz sat the corner and, and prevented the takedown. You had to know, like, all right, this is going to be really interesting. Right. Yeah, and, and it really was. And the counters of Gwiz are what kind of kept him in it. And... Once again, Kyle Snyder, in a big pressure, big match, needing a score late, just like he did in the World Finals, cool as a cucumber, composed, and he gets it done. He figures out a way to to score, and that that to me is amazing um, for a kid this young to have that you know, kind of poise. That's one of those matches that it's a real. It's kind of a shame uh, as. It, there's nothing shameful about how it elevated wrestling and how uh, awesome it was, and, and how it how it proved that it's much watch must watch wrestling and must watch TV. But it's 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 almost a shame that somebody had to lose because Quiz proved he's that good. Kyle Snyder also proved that he's that good. And I said before, I mean, I said a year ago that I think Quiz is the future of heavyweight for the our, uh, international. Yeah. Wrestling, but Quiz is that good. But um, I think Quiz was was gassed at the end. He was. He was tired, and I think that's. I don't know if that's an indictment on Quiz's gas tank so much as Kyle Snyder just gets guys tired. I mean, we saw him make Kadisov tired, and it's, right. it's. I mean, he shoots like a lightweight for seven minutes. Right. And that it, tires anybody out. Even it does he and he holds. I I think. Another thing that makes Snyder amazing is that he's so much smaller than these guys. Theoretically, he should get incredibly tired moving these guys around. He should be the one that gets worn out moving 250-pound guys. And he he doesn't. He's the Energizer Bunny. He does not ever get tired. You could tell, I mean, a little bit of body language late in the match by Gwiz. You could tell he was fading a little bit. But... What, what sealed it for me, Kyle Snyder doesn't, I, I, I'm, I'm going to say Kyle Snyder can't ride anybody. 
And when I say that, it's not really an indictment on Kyle Snyder because he don't he a have to, and b focuses so much on freestyle. Uh, he he doesn't work on it. Um, so Snyder gets a takedown to tie with twelve seconds, and Gwiz has twelve seconds on a restart to get out and can't. Right. Yeah. That that really surprised surprised me and. Snyder did wisely lock up that side headlock after securing the tying takedown. He got that stall warning. Do you remember this, Willie? Mm-hmm. He got that stall warning as he was building up. And, um, yeah, that that was some pretty pretty savvy wrestling there to get himself a restart. And he was able to hang on. Uh, man, what what a match. And maybe that's our 97 and 125 reps for, for Rio. I don't know. Uh, I'm curious. Could be. Could be. Could so, be. I'm, I'm, you know what? It's hard to count out Terrell. I'm all in on I'm all in on Gwiz. I, I don't know, you know. I don't know if it's this year that I don't know if he makes the Olympic team, but what I'm saying is I have nothing but respect for Nick Gwizdowski and his abilities and I'm sure when he focuses on freestyle he's gonna make world teams. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. Okay, so that's the finals. Um where where else you wanna go, Willie? Well, I you know, I think I, I did this by the numbers article and um, last year I didn't do that. So I just start, you know, I start writing this by the numbers and I come up with all this stupid uh, data, like, and, and some of them are like oddball stats, right? But I never did this before, but this year I did returning points. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I don't know, Christian, I don't think because because of the way it played out, and the, because of the, the dynamics of each team, the top five teams graduate a total of seven All-Americans. That's insane. Yeah, very. Five teams only lose seven guys. Very total. low number. Very, very oh. low number. It's an insanely low no- number. It's like a number you will never see again. I don't think you'll ever see it again. Five, the top five teams only lose a grand total of seven guys. And so because that number is so low, I don't think it's too early. I mean, it's too early, but Never. I think you can get a very educated look at next year. So do you want to talk about returning points? Oh, heck yes. Heck yes. Yeah. So um, the, the breakdown is such, and I'll give the order, then we'll give the point totals, then we'll dive a little deeper. The most returning points is Ohio State, then Penn State, Missouri, Virginia Tech, Iowa, Oklahoma State, and Michigan. Okay, in that order. Now, these teams also have guys coming in. Let's start with Ohio State. They've got, they're, to me, the most interesting team for next year because they have so much flexibility in what they can do between recruits, guys maybe changing weights. Right. So let me add this nugget, too. The top five teams lose seven guys. Penn State loses three of them. So the 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 other four lose a grand total of four. Mm-hmm. Right. Very very young teams. Very young teams. And w- with that, you, you can't you can't just look at this and say, well, this is, you know, what's what it's going to be because right. This is what it's going to be because there's guys coming in. There's freshmen coming in. There's and and there's also there's also mitigating factors like. Matt Manley scored zero points. 
Right. Joey Dance scored one point. Joey Dance scored one point. Uh, Michael, Jordan, uh, Michael Jordan only scored four. You, you, you figure he's better. Um, Sam stole zero points. Right. That, that, that's, so that's a part of it for sure. Now with Penn State, you lose Nico. Ouch. But the, Nick Suriano is going to come in and score real points at NCAAs, I believe. That's my opinion. Um, they, they lose um, Morgan McIntosh. But probably Anthony Kassar or maybe uh, Shakur Rashid are going to come in. I think they're going to be real guys for them. Yeah, they won't score that many points, but no. they'll score points. Uh, you lose Conaway and... But could that be... Now, here's, here's the thing with that Conaway, Goulibon, Cortez dynamic. Cortez beat Conaway this year at the Nittany Lion Open. Also, we could see... Could we see, maybe I should ask, Jimmy go back down. Jimmy go to 33 and, and Jared Cor- go to 41. I could see that because I believe Cortez has a longer frame, maybe better to do that. So they've got flexibility there between mm-hmm. Goulibon and Cortez that I think between 33 and 41, at a minimum, I think they equal their output from, and then, from this year. And then you get Vincenzo Joseph in the lineup somewhere and, and, and you know he scores more than Morelli's one and a half. Right. So you get that, and then Penn State is right but there. You you can't you can't make sense of all the moving parts of the top teams for next year, except to say that it will. I have never seen a situation where it's going to be as competitive. You have Ohio State returning the most points and plugging in guys like maybe Luke Pletcher or Keyshawn Jose Hayes. You got. Keyshawn Hayes too. You have, but maybe Miles moves up and Bo moves up. Who knows? You have Penn State plugging in top flight guys. You have Missouri with Manley that scored zero points, but also inserting Dylan Wisman. You have Virginia Tech with Joey Dance scoring only one point, and they're returning everyone except for Bruschetta. You have Iowa. Bruschetta. You have Iowa, who had Stoll score zero points and inserting. Michael Kemmerer mm. and Alex Marinelli. You have Oklahoma, potentially, potentially. You have Oklahoma State, who lost Marsden and, and Clamara, who scored zero. Um, but you're inserting Piccinini, uh, Brock, Piccinini, Cade Brock, um, perhaps getting Chandler Rogers at his most optimal weight. Um, it, it's it, the list goes on and on. It really does. It really does. And and the variables are, are incredible. And what I think we'll have, I mean, it's going to be an, an adjustment period for Penn State. I think they have a potential to have their best team ever. Um, I, I think that's possible because I think Nolf and Bo, um, with these freshmen coming in, they, and Zane being just unbeatable, unbelievable. Well, they have a baseline, right? Like you know they're going to score X amount of points from the big three. Yeah, they're, they're, they've got guaranteed 65 points with those three. They're just starting with three guys. With three guys. And then they have, you know, they Gulliban could score more points. Jared Cortez, X-Factor. Uh, Nick Sirianni. Vincenzo Joseph, an X-Factor. Nick and Nevels. Nick, and Nick Nevels. I mean, Nick Nevels had five minutes to get ready for the postseason. Right, right. Now he has a calendar. It's It's... It's going to be crazy. Now, Tom, with uh, Ohio State, here's here's their questions. Does Tomasello go 25 again? I I think for their best lineup, 
I think that he should. I don't I don't see any reason why he would go to 33 at all. No. I mean do you like not, him? Not not both both not for him and his ability and his upside. Let's say that let's say that Nathan Tomasello was who Nathan Tomasello is and he wrestled on the team that had no 33 pounder. Um could he go up and be successful? Yeah, but he couldn't he wouldn't be who he is at his best weight is 125. Bro, I think he's I think he smokes 133. Uh, who, who who's who's beating him? Clark Richards, um, D. Camillo. These are the best. Ryan Taylor. No, he's not. Ryan Taylor. Ryan Taylor. I mean, are these guys beating him? This is this is who's left. Clark and Richards. He doesn't beat those guys. I mean, he's a. He's a finalist next year. He's a walk-in finalist. He, uh, he's a he's a champion at thirty-three. He's the champ at thirty-three. Um, it, oh, okay, regardless, it doesn't fit their personnel either. Right. I think ideally you go NATO twenty-five, Pletcher thirty-three, insert Keyshawn forty-one, Micah forty-nine. Then it gets tricky. Between Jake Ryan, Isaiah White, Bo Jordan, does Bo go up to 74? Would he maybe go up to 84? I think Bo is big enough to go up two weights, Willie. What do you think? Would probably be the best thing for Miles Martin if Miles is light. I yeah, I think I think it would be. I think forcing Miles up would be problematic. Now another question is is Kyle Snyder. Everyone says he's for sure staying. He's for sure staying. He's for sure staying. And we, we don't have reason to believe he wouldn't, but if he wins an Olympic title. He's won an NCAA championship. Um, you know, it, it could be considered at least, right? Could be considered. Yeah, I, I I have no inside information. I just feel like Kyle will be back. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. Um, so that's that's obviously huge points because Gwiz is gone. There, there's no one that can stop him. And really, what's stopping Ohio State from doing the exact same thing? Kyle, just train freestyle. Go to Uregan. Go yeah. to, go to Medved. Do your thing. Do Come your... back. You don't even have to go through a Gwizdowski now. No, you don't even have to worry about that. I mean, Kyle said in the press conference before NCAs he wasn't even practicing folk style. He just wasn't did his practicing folk. He, he just did his regular freestyle stuff and just showed up to tournaments. He's not cutting any weight. He and he's so good. One thing about being amazingly good is that you just get yourself in the positions you want to be in, by and large. So with that, there's a diminished risk for injury. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. guys aren't getting in on his legs, really. I mean, Gwiz really only got in on a couple shots, and he's the best leg attacker outside of Snyder. So I I think... Uh, yeah, if I'm Ohio State and I'm, I'm Snyder, I don't even know if I go to school in the fall. Yeah. You don't even have to go to school in the fall. Enter second semester... Do your thing. Show up. Win a title. Championship. Help help Ohio State to a to a team title. And, and also, Willie, I just realized this. They still have Tav, so it's not like they're going to be without a guy. Tavanello does not want to transfer. He's not does not want to leave. He wants to be a Buckeye. So you've got this guy, a former round of twelve, a very solid Big Ten wrestler, that you, you can, can just you can use him all year up until mm-hmm. that's not super fun for Tav, but he gets in the lineup. Right. Um, you get to he's help part of part of a title contending team contributes. Right, right. Not the worst gig in the world. 
No, there are much worse gigs than than that for for Nick Tavernell. So they've got some serious flexibility there. And you know what? I but, questioned the Martin move um, all along, and I, I don't remember where you stood. I don't think you were. As, I said from Jump Street to do it to do Martin and Snyder. And for for me, I was like, it's not going to make a difference if Miles Martin gets sixth place, which. Up now, until you, were right. you were right that it didn't result in a team title. Yeah, I mean, the guy won it. I mean, really, they needed... The argument, the argument back then, when we were talking about... We were talking about Miles, and then later on when we were talking about Kyle, um, the argument between us, between me and you, was, well, it's not going to matter for a team title. And I was, I was a little bit more bullish. I was like, well, it could help. And you're like, no, nah, Penn State's running away with it. And you were ultimately right. That being said, the individual results, Tom Ryan knew what he was doing. Seriously. I mean, a kid won a, a national title as a true freshman. And Miles Martin is such an interesting guy for me because in high school, he was amazing. He was incredible. But his biggest matches, you know, well, and really when I say biggest matches, his matches against Sahid, you know, he he lost those. He lost kind of controversially at who's number one, lost controversially at Iron Man. And I'm like, uh, He's going to be good. I'd probably like to see this guy get a year to be his true best self. And for mm-hmm. him to come out in the biggest tournament of his life and to win it, I mean, un- unbelievable. unbelievable. He went through – Miles went through a period where, I mean, I remember writing previews. I, I was at most of these, but I also remember writing previews for him or tournament previews, and it was like Miles Martin. Runner up here, 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 and it's like he never, like, like he was he was like dominating in Flow National Finals. He 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 was a runner up at Flow National Finals one year, and then the next year he was dominating Flow National Finals and got pinned by somebody, Schleifer maybe I don't know it was Goofy, and um, <laughs> you know as awesome as Miles was, he, he had a lot of runner up finishes, <laughs> right. Right, but then, so to see, I think it says a couple things. One, you drop a motivated and talented kid into an ideal training situation, and there's there's a lot of those in college, and Ohio State's one of them, with great coaches, great partners. You can do a whole heck of a lot by March, okay? And that's something we've said with not wrestling true freshmen, give them a year. Yep. By the time March rolls around, these guys are ready. They've been there since May or June. Yeah. And they get so good so fast. It's like, yeah, you take a couple lumps here. Miles lost to Jacob Morrissey. Okay, it's growing pains. and But these guys think they belong by the time March rolls around. We said it several times. The fastest learning curve is a true freshman. Right. And you know what? Miles didn't – he wrestled like he didn't know better. You know, he doesn't – he wasn't thinking about losing. Well, you can feel it too. We said it during the tournament. You could see Miles gaining confidence as the biggest tournament in his life was going on. Yeah, yeah, it was it was very um, it was very apparent. It was very apparent. So, th- so that's Ohio State, Penn State. But look, man, these Missouri, team races. Yes, Missouri. Missouri's really scary. Missouri, here's their just a real quick. McGee only scored two points. Right from the eight seed, they're going to insert Jaden Clayton at thirty three. Manley's going to get healthy. They've got Mays back. Um, you know, Joey yeah, LaValle, Joey LaValle at one fifty seven. Joey LaValle's coming back and Wisman's coming in. Wisman, 
Now, Wiseman replaces Blaze Butler. Now, Butler didn't score a lot, but it's it's unlikely that throughout the course of a season, Wiseman's going to be Blaze's level. But shoot, the production he has, he's going to be compared he to. He only has to match, right? Right. So it's not. So he he wins three matches. They're playing with house money at that point. I right. mean, <laughs> Willie Miklas is coming back. Jaden Cox is back. You know, heavyweight is still going to be a big question mark for that team. But they're nine strong. And, and listen how scary Virginia Tech is. They lose Bruschetta, and they have issues in the middle at 49-57. But Joey Dan scored one point. Right. And they have everybody else back. Everybody else is back. Zach Zavatsky, Zach Zavatsky scored two points as a five seed in a terrible draw. Terrible. Uh, <laughs> Zach Zavatsky is not going to score two points next year. Heck no. Heck no. He's going to improve. I mean, they and they had guys step up. David McFadden placing, what, sixth or fifth? I mean, that's amazing for a true true freshman. Now, he's been my guy all along. I thought he'd do well. But to see him beat Tanner Weatherman, who kind of dominated him the last two times, what well, was really something. Then they scored. The crazy thing, Willie, for, for Tech on Friday night was how many bonus points they scored. They were getting majors in the round of 12 in the match after that. And that... You know, day one, day one, I was like, man, Virginia Tech, what the heck? What the heck happened to them? And then through the backside, they just steamrolled. Steamrolled. Absolutely steamrolled. I mean, Zach Epperly loses in round one. He won seven straight. I mean, this is a guy, he he quit, basically, for a couple weeks there, was off the team, and you see him lose round one. I mean, sirens start going off. Oh, my gosh. Him and him and Bresketa. When they lost, I was like, this is a huge question, Mark. If they have 50% effort in their next wrestleback match. Well, I never questioned. The third. Yeah, but Bresketa's a warrior, man. I mean, like that guy. I had no. I mean, he lost to Imar in the quarter. I wasn't exactly worried then. Um, but, yeah, for him to beat Palacio. I get worried every time a senior loses early. Really? Yes. I mean, some of them, it's like galvanized. Like, some of them, it's galvanizing. I mean, there's a fork in the road there. Every time a senior loses, there's a fork in the road there. See, and Henderson, comma Evan. Yeah. Wow. He got teched by Clay Ream. After there's no to- way that you're telling me that that wasn't wholly induced by. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah, I can't get He does I'm... not get tech followed by Clayton Ream. No, no way. So, when seniors lose, there's a thing where it's like, had a good run, man. I'm spent. I'm spent. I didn't come here to – I came here my, my senior year. I came here to win this thing, um, and I'm done. So, Iowa. I, I want to talk about Iowa. Okay, now Iowa. Now, Iowa's message boards are going ballistic. DEFCON 5. about – they want to recruit Cuba. They're, yeah, they're, they're, they're recruiting Bon Rodriguez to start at 25 after Gilman's done. I mean, Iowa is throwing – the Iowa message board posters are throwing everything against the wall to see what sticks. They're talking about maybe we need coaching change. Give me a break. They're talking about maybe we need to recruit internationally. Give me a break. They're talking about, um, well, our coaches aren't a problem. They're great coaches. They're the best coaches in the world. We just need to recruit better. Give me a break. For all the things that I recruit just fine. For all the things 
that is going on in the meltdown on Iowa message boards. You guys are in the thick of things for a team race next year. Right in the middle. Now, right in the middle. I'm telling you, Kemmerer is going to be a horse. Oh and I'm my telling gosh. you, Alex Marinelli is ready. You get Gilman and Clark, who walked to the finals. You get Sorensen, who was the best 49-pounder, not named Zane Rutherford. All year. And, uh, you get Sam Stoll, who was a top-six guy by January and just so happened to score zero points because of an injury. Do not melt down. You're fine. Yeah, they're absolutely fine. They're, they're going to be just fine. Now, with with heavyweight, you know, you lose Kwiatkowski, you lose Marsden, um, you lose a couple tough guys. So he's going to climb up that pecking order all the more. Now, Connor Medbury comes back in. But all the same, they're, they're going to be... They're going to be good there. The one listen, listen, Gilman. To start the year, to start the year when seniors are removed, Gilman's top five, Clark's top five, Sorensen's top five, Myers somewhere up there, uh, Brooks somewhere up there, Stoll somewhere up there. I mean, half your lineup's top five. Right, and then they've got uh, Vince Turk coming in at forty-one. A lot of people are very excited about him at forty-one. Um, Kemmerer, not he looks great. Everyone can't stop talking about Michael Kemmerer. Kemmerer. And, and then, the, so you have a question at ninety-seven. Uh, big deal. There's not one lineup in the country that doesn't have a certain like. Oh, let's see what this happens. Penn State had that those questions. Ohio State had those questions. Uh, it, it happens. So you're going to be nine strong, Iowa. This is maybe your best team in a while. Oh my god! In a while, it's a very very strong team so far. They got three. They got three guys that walked to the finals. Right. So you start with that. I mean, you start with with that dynamic that you're gonna have three guys in the finals, barring major injury. And even then, we've seen Iowa guys like Derek St. John with destroyed knees and Ryan Morningstar destroyed knees have really strong performances. So I think you, you can't be. You're disappointed, Iowa, because you didn't get a trophy, and you're you're not close to Penn State. Okay, we. That's that's acknowledged, but you got a strong team coming back next year, and I think you put all the chips in the middle, and that means one Alex Marinelli wrestling Alex right away. Now, I think the the smart play is to. Hold and I saw I, I saw Alex Marinelli. I talked to Alex Marinelli for a while at NCAs, and he told me he's ready to go. I mean, I think that he is. I think he's ready to contribute. But I mean, you know, mentally, like he's like, we are, we're going to have a great team next year. If I'm called upon, I'm ready to go. I think I can AA right now. Yeah, and so. imagine where he'll be right now. It's March. Imagine a year from now, he's probably going to move. Did didn't he tell you he's going to go there in June? He's going there in June. Going there in June. I said, "What's your plans, Alex?" I said, "What's on your docket?" And he said, "I'm going to Iowa City as soon as possible." Nice. You got to be excited about that. So uh, the, the team race is going to be amazing um, next year. I thought it was really, even though it was kind of a foregone conclusion with Penn State, I thought it was really fun this year. And then, you know, Oklahoma State was almost quietly in second place. I yeah. Because the way things worked out was Penn State was so far ahead and Oklahoma State was comfortably ahead in the two spot that we didn't, you know, we talked about how many points Penn State was racking up. And we talked about how awesome the team race was for third, fourth, fifth. But so so Oklahoma State went on talked about a lot, but they were comfortably in second place. They lose Clamara, who scored zero points. They lose Marsden. Rogers didn't do well. 
and they lose Derringer. Um, but they have horses coming in, man. They have horses coming in. So um, they're going to be better at 25. They're going to be better at, at 33. Yeah. Um, they're going to get Chandler Rogers. Now he's not Derringer, but I, I assume they're going to cut him down to 65. Yeah, but think about think about Chandler Rogers at sixty five in a weight that clears out that could be losing Bo and Derringer and and, and Rogers a top five guy. Yeah. It loses Derringer, maybe Bo, Steven Rodriguez and Anthony Parati were both AAs. So there's that's Four top five guys in a weight class that wasn't good to begin with. No, it wasn't. We talked about it all year. This this was not a strong weight. So yeah, you feel great inserting. If there's a weight you want to insert a young talent, it's that one. You get you get Cade. You get Piccinini, Cade, who you know twenty five thirty three scored a grand. You took second place, and your first two guys scored a grand total of zero points. That's that's incredible. And you're getting Piccinini and Cade Brock, who, and you're getting them in there. You're getting Rodgers down to 65, and you're inserting uh, Crutchmer, who was the highest returning placer at 74 to right. begin with. Right, right. It's the team race is going to be so fun next year. Um, you want to get to some a little bit of Hodge talk? Hodge talk. You did. Christian did an excellent. The article is up right now. Christian did an. Excellent breakdown of the Hodge contenders as the dust settled. Uh, only four guys emerged undefeated. Yes, and it's always kind of doing the Hodge reports early are really pointless. And I did one earlier than I normally would have. I think I did one in January. Or I February. know, but it's so fun. Though. It's so fun. I just like I got to do this. But then by NCAA's, there's so many guys that get knocked out. It's really it's the perfect time to write it. And I think. I, I just find it very interesting that it's this close between Rutherford and Danger to the point that I, I averaged out their rankings based on the seven Hodge criteria, and they are perfectly tied at 1.71. Like, what what are the, the odds of that, that these two are that close in terms of meeting the Hodge criteria? And a, a lot of people think Rutherford, a lot of people think Daringer. A lot of people think Snyder is the best wrestler in college wrestling, and I don't think it's necessarily just about being the best wrestler in college wrestling. I think there's a little more to it than that. And Snyder wrestling 11 matches, I don't think you can give him that strong a consideration. Do you? I mean, apart from putting him in the top four. I mean, I I, I don't think he can. And it's it's um kind of... I don't know if it's unfortunate, but I mean, the other guys wrestled a whole season. They wrestled the whole season. And also, you know, one of the criteria is pins and he has one in his life. So I mean, is, is, is Kyle Snyder in the conversation for the best wrestler overall pound for pound? Is he in the conversation for most dominant? Yeah. But it's just, it's tough to name him that when he wrestled, 12 matches so what we have with this hodge it's it's here's what it's going to come down to for the voters do you prefer this season the best guy the guy who bonus the most the guy who be, beat the best competition or do you prefer the guy who was a little below that but has 
a stronger track record historically and has won three titles and ends his career. On a, so it's about, are you looking big picture or three, four-year span? Or are you paring it down to this season? Because if you're paring it down to this season, there's a clear option at Zane Rutherford. If you're looking at that broader scope, is a clear option at Daringer. Well, I just got an email that the Hodge fan vote will go live at noon central time. So we'll know. Oh, so you'll be able to vote for it at noon. Mm -hmm. So that'll be interesting. Make sure you get your votes in. Make sure your voice is heard um, for the Heisman Trophy of college wrestling. Um, but yeah, what what do you think for when you think about the Hodge Trophy that season or overall, or you don't really care? I don't know. I I, I will contradict myself because the the most. I think that Zane Rutherford was the most dominant wrestler this season. He's the only guy to bonus in the finals. Um, he bonused his way through the whole tournament. Tech, pin, 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 major. Major, the clear number two. Uh, I, I, I think Zane Rutherford was the most dominant in college wrestling this year. However, I also I think that Alex Derringer was very close behind him, and the numbers support me on that. And he's a legend three one 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 crazy one loss he was so close to being a four-timer like he had the winning takedown on st on Derek st john almost had it he didn't quite secure it he lost i think in the weird tiebreaker rideouts thing to the national champion that year and that was it he never lost another match at ncaa's i, I it's a really tough decision normally it's pretty clear to me. I think I have a pretty good idea. I, this is yeah, the toughest. It's, it's unfortunate, I guess, is the word to say they're so equal. So give the give the award to Daring. Uh, almost almost as a career achievement award because it, and it, with with the idea in the back of your mind that. Zane has some time left. Yeah. You know, um, that's not how it should be because you never know. Exactly. What if you he... never know what it's, what, what's going to, it's, you can't say, you can't say, well, uh, he has time left you, because you don't know. You're right. I mean, tomorrow he could be riding his bike and break an ankle and never be the same. Exactly. Uh, and and you, I, that's one thing for me. I don't think you punish guys for how old they are, what grade they're in, because if you were the, it, for me, it's an in, it's a this season award, and, and for that reason, I think I think if I had to vote, it would go it would go to Rutherford. And one thing for me with uh, but the thing is, Ringer, man, he's right there in all the numbers, though, Christian. He is, but he's behind in bonus, behind in pins, and get the, here's what does it for me. Zane wrestled a far tougher schedule. He wrestled far tougher competition yeah, and yeah. still outbonused him. I mean, he had a, um, you know, Daringer had a decision against Luke Silverberg this year. Mm -hmm. And Zane brought it every single match and bonused at a much, much higher rate against better guys. So well, not well, only were you Zane, more dominant, you wrestled better Zane's competition. Non, Zane's non bonus was like Claggin. He had a 2 1 against Claggin. He had a decision against Sorensen. He had a decision against Kalika. And yeah. that may have been it. That may have been it. There may have been one other one that I am not recalling. 
Um, but I think that was it. So three, three decisions yeah. against and the all quality all guys. Are all Americans. All three of them were all Americans. So better competition. And he bonus. He wrestled ten all Americans. He bonus seven of the ten. That's that's amazing. That was a that, that was an incredible stat. So I I think. I think Rutherford, but if they give it to Derringer, I'm not going to lose any sleep over that either. And um, I think, personally, I think that's the direction it's going to go. I think my yeah, pre- I, my prediction is Derringer. My prediction is Derringer too. Yeah. So, man, we, we could keep going. We got a lot of stuff yet. We um, keep going. I just, uh, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about how awesome the David Terrell story was. That was amazing. I mean, they... Uh, everyone kind of fell in love with him throughout the tournament. Then it all came together in the third place match against Tomasello, where just let it all hang. He out. was just you know cartwheeling and trying throws and and whatever, just kitchen sinking all the time. And that's what people like. People respond to that. People would rather see you go down swinging right. like that than to grind your way to a three-two win. I mean, that's what people fall in love with. I mean, this is the guy they went to the interview with him after he lost the match because. Yeah. Everyone, I mean, and I had never heard Willie, an arena get that quiet to hear someone speak. I mean, mm-hmm. it was it was crazy to the point that it was so quiet in the arena. I'm hearing we're way up high, we're way up there. I'm hearing the coaches shout instructions to the other 25 pounders. It's mm-hmm. it's that quiet in in this place. It, uh, it, was, it was an amazing moment. It was one of the coolest things of the weekend, and I, you know. Hats off to David throughout great career and and it was amazing, amazing. You know what? You remember all the great wrestling, but it's one of the stories that'll stick with you forever. Twenty sixteen NCAA's how the how David Terrell went for broke and how the fans fell in love with it and appreciated it. Yeah, they they really did. They really did. Um, shoot, I feel like we got to talk about these two things really quickly. That these freestyle things. Um. The, the Team USA freestyle coaching job has been posted. That's available. Mm-hmm. We knew that would be coming available. And it's a huge story. After the Olympics, you know, we're going to have a new coach. And maybe he'll be named prior to the Olympics. This is a huge story. Uh, and I think we would be remiss to not mention, at least mention that. Yeah. Um, I mean, we could talk about it for a long time. But. Um, yeah, you're right. You probably have to mention it. It's something we we knew was coming. That was the plan the whole entire time. When since uh, Zeke Jones moved on and Burnett got hired, um, but I think we're going to see a lot of shuffling. Yeah, a lot of shuffling within USA Wrestling as far as their coaching staff, um, and and we'll see how it what its import is to the college wrestling scene. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, because you know the, a lot of names get thrown around, but. For me, I think two two high name college coaches that come to mind for me, and this is predicated on me thinking that Kale Sanderson and John Smith are, would not be particularly interested in leaving their posts. So Terry and Lou, is that your Terry and Lou, Terry Brands yeah. and Lou Rizzelli are are, yeah. the t- are the two that I think come to yeah. mind. So they very well could be interested. I I believe that they are, and I think they'll get strong consideration as well. Um, so that's that's something that will monitor throughout also six russians willie six russian greco-roman wrestlers busted for for doping and mm-hmm. it was one of those things where you know was it all that well i i woke up this morning to it and i didn't read all of it but were all of them were all six that same drug that sharapova took 
I don't know that. I don't know the drug of because I, you know, it's one thing. I think we all think that Russia dopes. I think we're all of that opinion. Um, so I'm not trying to leave them off the hook by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but that was a recently banned substance. What Sharapova took. Yeah. Yeah. What about a uh, gorilla testosterone? Like most of the Russians take. What's the yeah, that's, that's been on the list for a while. Gorilla <laughs> testosterone. I think that was the first one they put down. They're like, uh, they're like, um, you know, Diana ball, <laughs> uh, Winstrol, gorilla testosterone. Yeah. That was all, that was all the first draft. So that that's something to monitor because initially when the Russian doping scandal came out, it was like, well, it's mostly track and field. It's not really wrestling. Well, here yeah, you go. Right. But, but, but as far as who was caught, it was the track and field. We all knew. I mean, we watched these guys wrestle. It's like, give me a break. Look at Boltakayev. They locked that guy in a closet for three years just to roid him up, then cut him loose for the Olympic year. I mean, we know what's going on. We're not idiots. Um and now they're getting caught, and, you know, it's being speculated. Russia may not send a Greco team to Rio, and what a change that would be. Wow. And that would – if that doesn't shake up some changes at the Russian the level. Champ. The world champ is one of them, right? Is it? I haven't seen any names, Willie. Yeah, Semenov. Um, Vlasov? No, Semenov, I thought. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have some more on that as information – comes out but we felt like those are two major stories that can't be overlooked um but with that said willie is it go time it's go time 11 11 uh here. i have to drive today to flow nationals oh yeah that's coming up we thank you guys so much for tuning in and uh listen listening so faithfully i'm not sure if we'll have another one of these um for this week maybe maybe we can roll one out thursday willie when we're at flow nationals i don't know probably not we'll try Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time, guys. Thanks. Thanks, guys.